Welcome to Storm Stories, a collection of stories from Hurricane Florence. This podcast series explores resilience and recovery in the coastal region through local stories. I'm your host, Laura Bratton, broadcasting from the Working Narrative Studio. Today on Storm Stories... I'm Native American. I was raised that the only reason you're here is to protect children and animals and help other people. This is Franchon, certified trauma practitioner, community organizer, licensed professional counselor, and she's all kinds of other things. When I asked for her age, she had to think about it for a second. She settled on 35, and after another second, 36. Franchon is the kind of person who is relentlessly active. So when the hurricane hit and communities were ordered to shut down, she did the opposite. Today, Franchon tells us about her hurricane story and how, in an unlikely turn of events, she ended up running part of an emergency operations unit in Whiteville, North Carolina. As Florence approached the coast of southeastern North Carolina, Franchon reached out to a friend in another county. Her name is Wallace, and she's a community organizer like Franchon. So Franchon asked her how she could help relief efforts. So I called one of my best friends and said, hey, how's it going? What do you need? Because I know her, and I know she's like boots on the ground, like in it. And she's like, I just need boots. So she didn't leave Whiteville, North Carolina the entire time. What she explained to me was the fire ants were creating balls on top of the water, basically float as a colony. So what was happening is any time that she would go to try to help a family or try to help her family's business or her business, she would get bit up by fire ants. Water was coming in all of those places. And she's like, but you can't come here. You can't get here. I said, no, I can't. And she's like, no, like, you don't understand. There's no route to get to me. Like, you can't, it's physically impossible. I'm like, okay. Wallace was right. By this time, US-74 was shut down. Backroads were flooded. Like she said, physically impossible. But this didn't stop Franchon. I go to Tractor Supply. So I I get all these different sizes. I make sure that she has boots and that her mom and her sister have boots. I take all these circuitous routes to all these different places, and I keep coming to these, these like, dead ends. And I find myself in Bladen County, and now the sun's going down. And I'm starting for the first time to think, this was maybe not a good idea. And my stomach started flipping and turning and tossing. I am a woman of color in Bladen County, in a state of emergency, by myself, in a car. Despite her moments of panic, Franchon eventually makes it safely. And I see a sign that says Whiteville five miles. And I'm like, yes, yay. And then I drive to my friend's house and I show up and she just gives me the biggest hug. After Franchon and Wallace hugged, their small talk didn't last for long. They got right down to business, hurricane relief efforts. She starts explaining to me that every county has an EOC, which is a emergency operations center. And that because we're in a state of emergency, every county is now ran by the EOC. Because of her nonprofit, Community CPR, we have a seat at the table at the EOC. There needs to be more than one of her because she can't be at the EOC and in the community trying to feed people and doing all this stuff. So Franchon offers herself. Wallace will be out in the community figuring out what people need. And Franchon will take her place in Columbus County's Emergency Operations Center. So the next day is like my first day at my brand new job at the EOC. 
which I have zero training. I know nobody there. And she gives me this red phone, which is like the community CPR cell phone. And tell me about the EOC. Like, what did it look like? So in the room, it looks like a mini Pentagon. So you walk into the room and literally there's a big table in the center, like a conference table. And then on the outside are these these little stations. So there's like the medical station, there's like DSS station, there's the forestry station, the sheriff station, the highway state patrol station, the national guard station. And then there's like the volunteer section. So I sit my little self at the volunteer table and there's nothing at the volunteer table, there's just me. And I'm sitting there for a couple hours, bored out of my mind, just listening to all these people talk about all these things they're trying to handle. And they're handling all these things over the radio. And, like, there's nothing for me to do because I'm not a freaking water rescue person or nothing. And then this guy comes in, and he asked for Wallace. Um, He was driving a truck, and he had, like, all this gear on. And he's like, I'm just, this is my community. I'm just trying to help. And I'm like... Well, Lisa isn't here, but my name's French on. I'm Wallace right now. What do you need? So he's like, they need food and we need ice. So I call Wallace. I'm trying to get food. I'm trying to get ice. I go into the EOC. I'm trying to get food, trying to get ice. French on tries to figure things out from other people at the EOC, but everyone is busy with their own responsibilities. So she calls Wallace and Wallace says to call one of the two food lines in Whiteville. They're run by a husband wife team and each has their own store. The wife, Tammy, gives Franchon and the volunteer she mentioned named Brandon donations of food, and they took that food to Crusoe, a neighborhood in Whiteville that couldn't get access to the things they needed. So Brandon has a pickup truck, and then attached to the pickup truck is um, a boat. So he's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to load up the food in the cooler, we're going to go to the edge of Crusoe, and then we're going to get in the boat, and then we're going to take people food. So we do that for three days. And what exactly was your role while all of this was happening? You helping Brandon and working at the EOC. So the thing is, in those initial days, like nobody can get to us. So the only people that are helping are the people that know Columbus County. My job was to communicate with the EOC. So I would find out like, hey, Franchon, we need a landing for this airdrop. So I would go in and talk to the forestry guy. And then if I needed a route somewhere, like if I needed to go somewhere, I would go to the highway strike patrol guy. If I needed to get somewhere that I couldn't get, I would go to this dope woman that ran the National Guard, and she'd be like, cool, no problem, and give me an escort to wherever it is, me or whoever my people is, like wherever we needed to go. And where did you need to go? Like what kinds of things were you and the volunteers you worked with doing? Um, we had massive feeds and combined with all kinds of churches and like fed all kinds of people. And every night, um, while Lisa and I would talk and we would talk about like the day and what we learned and we would try to take notes and we try to keep track of all the donations we got because we got so many donations from everywhere. Like we got stuff literally airdropped. We got a whole Walmart 18 wheeler of food. We got a whole nother, um, truck of ice from somewhere else, like, All of these things just kept coming in, and it was our job to figure out, like, where are the gaps and where are the people not getting fed. I asked Franchon if she remembers any stories in particular, and she tells me about a request she got from one of the emergency shelters in Whiteville from a mother of a newborn. There was somebody at the shelter who needed soy-based baby formula. Whoever the shelter was ran by was basically like, deal with it. And I was like, no, and I'm not a mother. I've never had a baby. But you can't change a baby's formula. But anyway, I was freaking out and getting upset. So the National Guard woman was like, 
just take one of the tanks and go get the formula. Like, what do you, what's your problem? Like, go. So they took me to Food Lion to get the formula, and then they delivered the formula for me. I didn't even have to deliver it. So you worked, like, personally with a lot of different agencies during this time, like the Highway State Patrol and the National Guard. Did your perspective on these agencies and what they do change over the course of the hurricane? I've always loved and admired people in service because I feel like you put your life at risk every day and you make a decision to serve and protect. But I also know, especially with the Ohio State Patrol, there's a lot of things that have gone on and that do go on that I, as a woman of color, struggle with. But at the end of the day, like, their goal was the same as mine. Like, let's make sure everybody's safe and everybody has food and everybody has water. But I think it was a perfect example of how if people would just have relationships, things would be different. We just supported each other because we were, we were in it together. My career is spent advocating for people who have been traumatized and specifically for people of color. But in a hurricane, like, yo, who cares? We're all human beings. We need to eat. Like, let's handle it. We fed thousands of people, and I probably met maybe two or three of them. It was just about coming together. And I know that that's not real life all the time, but when there is a crisis, like that county from everything I could see came together across religion, across ethnicity, across age. I saw no boundaries. I saw a bunch of people trying to help each other. And I wish it was like that all the time because how different would the world be? Sean continues to work on hurricane relief efforts today, volunteering with Community CPR. She says her friends from the EOC are in her phone contacts. She and Brandon, they check up on each other once in a while. But as all things go, life goes on, Hurricane Florence passed, and a new hurricane season begins. You've been listening to Storm Stories. Storm Stories is a project of the nonprofit arts and media organization Working Narratives, which is based in Wilmington, North Carolina. To learn more about Storm Stories, visit www.workingnarratives.org. Funding for Storm Stories was provided in part by the Media Democracy Fund's NC Local News Lab Fund, Unitarian Universalist Veach at Shelter Rock Foundation, and generous individuals like you. I'm your host and producer, Laura Bratton. Editing for this podcast was done by Erica O'Brien, and music was provided by Cambo Music. Special thanks to Ren Smith and Nick Saberla and everyone who made this podcast possible. Thank you for listening.